don't know where you're going. I thought I had a, a message ready for today, but I've, I've had, I had an experience over the weekend that I'm, I'm going to process on my feet while I'm standing here with you. <laughs> um, and I don't mean what I'm about to say this morning. I pray that you hear my heart. I don't mean this in a critical or a, a judgmental way. Um, but I experienced something over the last 48 hours that has sort of disturbed me but stirred me up at the same time. I was lucky enough, uh, it was mine and my wife's 21st wedding anniversary on Friday. We celebrated 21, 21 years. Yep, it's, I've, I've, I've done an amazing thing. Um, you should have seen her when we first married. I've had to do a lot of work and she is... You know what? I was just saying to her, you're almost there. You are almost there. <laughs> Safety in numbers. When I get home. 21 wonderful years. And, and uh, anyway, I was away for the week and I flew home on Thursday night. Normally you'd stay the whole week, but we had our um, anniversary. So we flew home Thursday so that we could have some time together Friday. We got out of bed in the morning and and we went, uh, had some coffee and some time in the morning, then Jackie went off to work. I got a, a, a call from a friend on Thursday saying, I'm getting married. I, said, oh, I thought he was already married, but he said, I'm getting married. I said, oh, fantastic. When are you getting married? He said, Friday. So well, the positive is I'll always remember your wedding anniversary because it's mine. So one less date to lock in the calendar. So he said, look, would you, would you please come to the wedding? Uh, and and he, we've known this man for a long, long time. So I contacted Jackie. said, look, I know we had plans to go out tonight. Uh, this opportunity invitation has come, uh, what do you want to do? And we decided that the right thing to do is let's go to this guy's wedding and the reception afterwards. It's, it's the right thing to do and Monday night we'll go out and we'll celebrate our, our 21 years and three days by that stage. Um, who's counting? Uh, every day it's like Christmas. It's like counting down Christmas. It's like every day. 21 years, three days. 21 years, four days, I count them. All you men would be the same, wouldn't you? You'd all know exactly how many days. No. Not all like me, Jack. So we went along to this wedding and, and it, was, it was held um, at the courthouse. And so we went into the courthouse and there was a small crowd of people there. And I went in for the wedding and the uh, person officiating the wedding got up and went through the process of, you know, welcome everybody, these guys are going to get married, uh, you're all witnesses. Uh, we went through the wedding process, uh, the end of it, uh, we left, uh, walked out of the courthouse and then went down to where the reception was going to be held. We sat through the reception. There was a few speeches at the reception, this small reception. And uh, I think we were, probably got home about 8.30 uh, that night, on Friday night. On Saturday, we went to another wedding. And some of you, uh, I don't know if anyone was, was there, um, a, a beautiful young couple from Seacoast Church got married. And they had the, the, the wedding at the church and Pastor Jim White down there did the wedding and, and uh, it, was, it was beautiful. It was all beautifully made up and set up and the service was really, really lovely. And afterwards they got their photos and they went out the front and, and they got photos in a combi van, which I thought was cool. I don't know, I just love combi vans. And uh, so anyway, they got their photos in a combi van and we all went back to um, a place down near the river there for the wedding reception and the reception was on and the parents got up and they gave their speeches and, and uh, there was some, uh, a lovely young couple there playing some music and, and then we had a bit of a, a dance at the end of the night and I don't mind saying I own the dance floor just quietly. I'm a bit of a griever. Uh, 
Humility is being known for who you really are. I really am a good dancer. So there we go. That's me being humble for you. And uh, so, so we, we, we went along to that and we had a fantastic night and, and uh, we, 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 our uh, eldest son was uh, one of the groomsmen at the wedding. And uh, so we went there, had a fantastic night, came home last night. But I woke up this morning and, and last night I was saying to Jackie, I, I was just feeling disturbed within myself at the amazing contrast of these two uh, weddings that I had been to. The second wedding was so wonderful. It, 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 God, I believe, is the initiator of marriage. I don't think marriage, marriage is not man's idea. We can trace it right back to the Garden of Eden. God said it's not good for man to be alone. We can see uh, the writers of the Old Testament uh, giving uh, allusions to the fact quite clearly that this marriage union between a man and a woman, it's God's idea. So, so when, when I go to a wedding, I love uh, the acknowledgement being made at least just at least acknowledge that we're here today because of something that God thought up. Let's at least give God the glory for coming up with this beautiful union that then becomes the foundation for a really strong and healthy society of mum and dad raising their children. And, and, and let's at least acknowledge God in that, you know? And, and so the second, the, the second wedding we went to was, was, was God was a part of it. What I'm trying to say is God was, was central to this marriage. These two people were, were coming together, but they were both acknowledging God brought them together. They were both acknowledging even though we love each other, we both still have a love for God. And the whole service was glorifying to God. The first wedding that I went to on the Friday, and, and please hear my heart, I love these people. I love them, okay? But it was absolutely, totally devoid of God. His name was not mentioned, um, there was no mention of we're here gathered before friends, family, and God. It was just we're gathered here before all you people. Um, it felt very impersonal. But what I noticed at the end of it was the result was the same at the end. They both, both couples got a piece of paper saying, um, you know, you're now legally married in this country. You can do what legally married people can do. They were both handed that bit of paper. The end result was the same. But the process was so different. It was so full and so celebratory when God was at the middle of it the other one, it was just felt so empty. And I think it was summed up best by a young six-year-old girl who was at the wedding. As we walked out, she turned to her father and said, was that it? And he said, yeah, that was the marriage. That was the wedding. A six-year-old girl, she said, Dad, that felt more like a meeting than a marriage. This is coming out of the mouth of a six-year-old girl, you know? I was, I've been struggling with that. But at the same time, highlighted and excited about how much of a difference God makes when he's at the center of whatever it is that we do. When we bring God into the middle of whatever it is that we do. One was literally like attending a meeting. The other one was like going to a celebration. And I believe that God wants to turn whatever it is in our life into a celebration. Without God, things can be mundane, boring, routine, motionless, lifeless almost. But when we bring God into our life, when we bring God into all areas of our life, he can turn those things into celebratory moments. I think God wants a people who celebrate life. I think it brings joy to God's heart when he sees people who celebrate life, who celebrate achievements, who celebrate what they have, who celebrate who they are. Without God... The celebration was just so lifeless. I mean, we, did, we went to one wedding, another wedding. Same end result, both bits of paper. One ceremony here, one ceremony there. One reception here, one reception there. Without God, it was just like going through a boring, dull routine. 
it was amazing 24 hours later to be going through the exact same process, but there was so much life and so much energy and so much joy in it. You've got to run. My wife's not hating my preaching. She already told me she had to leave um, early because uh, our, our uh, middle boy's got a game of footy on today against his old club, so he's a bit nervous some of the boys might want to do a couple of these to him. So, so my wife said, that's okay, I'll be there. And she's one of those mad mothers that'll actually run on the field and do it back. <laughs> get a life ban and never be allowed to come to the field again. But she'll do it anyway. You don't get between a mother and her cubs. I've learnt that. Even, even as a father, you don't. Okay. It was just strange. I wrote a few notes here. Going through the motions of something that was thought up by God himself without him even so much as receiving a mention. The wedding without Jesus, it just felt like a religious ritual. It just felt like some religious ritual. Whereas the wedding with Jesus felt like a celebration. And it just highlighted to me again that I think God loves celebrations. When God comes into something, he brings celebration and life. He doesn't come into something and kill. He doesn't come into something and take away. John 10.10 is one of my favorite verses uh, in the Bible. and We all know the verse. It says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. The thief comes with an intention and a purpose. And that is to get involved in whatever he can to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. The intention of God is always to bring life to you. It's always to bring life to you. Um, I don't know if any of you remember, most of you probably would, the old Billy Joel song, Only the Good Die Young. Yep, remember that one? And the, 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 the words of the song, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. Sinners are much more fun. Only the good die young. Who remembers that song? Yep. I'll, 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 I'll give you a, a little bit of a window into my human side. I really love Billy Joel. <laughs> and I actually quite love that song. It's got a great tune and jive and tongue. And, but what it is, it's, 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 it's a reflection, I think, of possibly the way that people outside church look in at a group of religious people. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. What's the insinuation? That sinners have much more fun. That sinners have much more life. That people without God have much more to offer in terms of joy and celebration. I don't think that should be the case. I think when Jesus says, I come to give you life and give you life in abundance, that should be a celebratory type thing. That should make our lives quite attractive to those outside. We should live a life that is attractive. We should be living life in such a way that people see. Jesus said you don't light a lamp and put it up on a, on a bushel. When Jesus comes into our world, he wants to bring life to us. If we have come to Christ and we don't feel like we have life, then my encouragement would be go back and have a good look at the Jesus you came to. Because the Jesus that I came to promised to give me life. And not just existence, because there's a big difference between existing and living. He said, I've come to give you life and I've come to give it to you abundantly. If you backtrack to that story, let me give you a little bit of a history of that particular verse we looked at. We look at the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Who's the thief? Exactly right. That's what we think. That's what we've taught. That's what we believe. And I have no problem with that. The, the motivator behind the thief is the devil. But the actual thief Jesus is talking about is not as black and white as we think. If you go right back to John chapter 9, we have this interesting situation where Jesus heals a blind man. He goes back and he heals this blind man. You're a blind man, you can't see. I can make you see. Bang, he does his stuff, whatever it is he does. Three stooges. And all of a sudden, the guy can see. Jesus did a Larry Co mode curly. I can see. 
This guy is so excited about this that he goes around telling people, I was blind and I can see. I was blind. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, get wind. What is this? Do- What's going on here? There are groups of people getting excited about this man's story. What's happening? So they grab him and the Bible says they pull him into the, 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 their little room and they sit him down on a table. It's a bit like in spy movies, you know, where they put the mask on and you sit you down. Man, they put the lamp on your face. Did you do it? Where were you? And they start interrogating this guy. And they sit him down and they say, tell us what happened. He says, well, here's what happened. I was blind. A dude called Jesus came, did Larry Mo Curly, and now I can see. And they said, no, that's not right. Tell us what happened. Well, that's what happened. I went there and I can see. What happened? I don't know. A dude called Jesus got involved in my world and all of a sudden, I can see clearly now. The rain has gone. (laughs) Told you I can dance. Don't get me started. I won't stop. I'm like a machine. Well-oiled machine. Some people are thinking machine like the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. He's only got a couple of moves. That's all he can do. Not me. I cut a rug real well. So, so these guys are interrogating this man. And in the end, they can't work it out. They can't come to grips with it. So they actually, the Bible says they call his parents in. Sit his mum and dad down. And go, come on, what happened? You tell us what happened. And they go, they were afraid that, look, if we say, yeah, he was born blind, Jesus, they don't want to get kicked out of the church. So they go, well, look, keep us out of this equation, man. He's over 18, you ask him. What's he saying? And they go back to him and he goes, I can't change my story because this is what happened. Jesus got involved in my world, I was blind, now I can see. And so the Bible says that they kicked him out of the synagogue. They kicked him out of church. Doesn't that seem strange? How weird is that? A man has an encounter with Jesus. Because you had an encounter with Jesus, we don't want you in our church anymore. Isn't that where you're meant to go? Isn't that the group of people you have encounters with? He's healed and they kick him out of the church. So the Bible says, and I love the wording, the Bible says that when Jesus found him, when Jesus found, so Jesus has heard this whole thing. He knows what's going on and he hears they've kicked him out. So Jesus goes looking for this man. The Bible says when Jesus found him, he begins this conversation with him and a crowd gathers. And Jesus turns and gets the ear of the crowd and he says, you know what you're seeing here? He says, the thief came to steal, kill and destroy. This man had an encounter with God. He was so excited. He was so full of life, so full of enthusiasm, so pumped up about the things of God. And the religious leaders came and said, dampen it down. Hush down, this didn't really happen. And what they did is they took the life, they tried to take the life out of him by trying to make his story false. It didn't happen. They eventually kicked him out of the church. And Jesus says, the thief, who's the thief? It was the religious leaders. They came to steal, kill and destroy the joy, the excitement, the life that I put in this man through an encounter he had with me. They came to steal that. But I came to give you that kind of a life. Can you imagine what it would feel like to be born blind and to suddenly get your sight? I reckon I'd be pretty pumped. Just throwing it out there. I reckon I'd be pretty excited. And this is the kind of life that Jesus came to give to us. That we would not only, not only have this one-dimensional Christianity whereby we just, we just well, okay, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Now, God wants to engage our intellect, engage our emotions, engage our bodies. God engages the whole being and brings life to us. And God wants us to be the kind of people that celebrate that. We should be the most celebratory people 
on planet Earth. But, you know, sometimes that doesn't gel really well with religious thinking. You know, don't get too emotionally excited. You can't, can't be too emotional about things. You've got to, you know, you know what? I, I reckon that man would have been pretty emotional. Well, as a matter of fact, I reckon every person in the Bible that Jesus encountered would have had some kind of emotional response. I don't think he would have gone, well, that's really good. That's what you look like, Tiffany. Wouldn't have picked that. Got your hair a bit longer. Oh, that is hair on the top of your head, right? Say something. Say something to me. Ah, I didn't picture you like that either. Wow, thank you, Jesus. This has been a real eye-opening experience. I think he would have been off his chops, if I can steal your phrase. I reckon he would have been pretty excited and pumped about life. And I think that's what God wants for us. And what I saw last night was, uh, what I saw over the last 48 hours was the difference between something in life that's totally devoid of God, going through the motions, and something that had God at the center. And I'll tell you what, the thing that had God at the center was so much more attractive. And that was something that I feel like we could take to the world. That's something I feel like we could show the world and go, this is what the difference that Jesus makes in a person's life. This is the difference Jesus makes in a family. This is the difference Jesus can make in a community. That's the kind of thing that I would get excited about that I think would be attractive and I think reveals the actual heart and character and nature of God. You know, John Smith, he's an old Australian author, and no, I'm not lying to you, because you know John Smith. I mean, who who calls their kid John Smith? If If your last name's Smith, you surely don't call your son John. Who does that? Well, apparently John Smith's parents did. They called him John Smith. So I'm not having a go at you. He is John Smith. He started the God Squad Motorcycle Club. And anyway, he made this statement some years ago. I read it in a book and I was just thinking about it this morning. He said, Aussies have not rejected the God of the Bible, but the image of God that has been portrayed to them by the church. An image of a boring, colourless God whose job is to rob from them subdue them, not add life to them. I'll read that out again. He said, Aussies have not rejected the God of the Bible, but the image of God that has been portrayed to them by the church. And I think that's a pretty cool statement. I think that's pretty true. I'm amazed at how much spiritual hunger is actually out in the community. I'm amazed at how many people are actually open to talk about God. I'm amazed at how many people are open to be prayed for when you offer to pray for them. It's amazing the hunger that's out there. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are the problem. The harvest is plentiful. There are people out there that if they could see the true color shades of God, would be attracted to that. But because they see this bland, colorless, boring, religious image of a figure, a one-dimensional figure, they don't want nothing to do with that. And as a matter of fact, they look at us and think, you guys are stupid. Because why would you chase after that? And if they paint that picture of God to me, I would agree with them. If I'm chasing that, I'm pretty stupid. Because I believe my God adds a bit more to my life than just black and white and one dimension. I believe God wants us to be the kind of people who celebrate, who live in a celebratory uh, way. In in, in the Collins Dictionary uh, describes celebrate as to rejoice or to have festivities to mark happy days, events, etc. To celebrate, to get excited about 
things. Um, in John chapter 2, we see a story of Jesus. The first ever miracle Jesus did, what was it? First public miracle he did, he turned water into wine. He turned water into wine. Where at? At a wedding. He went to a wedding. Jesus went to a wedding. This is unbelievable because I'm sure Jesus just sits under a tree, cross-legged, going, hmm, give me revelation, Father. He went to a wedding. Jesus went to a wedding. Wow. He actually went out there in the community, went to a wedding. And the Bible says that he performed this miracle and he turns water into wine. Not just wine, it was good stuff. Normally, when they, when they took that wine and they took it to the, to, to the host, he went out a, a, a drink. That's a 2000 late Barossa, that. Where'd you get that? Because you started out with a 2015 McLaren Vale. And usually you bring out the good stuff first, the 08 Barossas, and you give them a McLaren Vale 15s last when everyone's off their chops, stole it twice, and they don't care about it. But you brought the good stuff out towards the end. He was excited about this. You know what Jesus did? Instead of the party ending, he started it again. He got it going again. Instead of the celebration petering out, he got everyone excited again. and said, hey, let's keep this thing going. Jesus comes into our life. He doesn't kill the party. When he comes in, it's meant to start. It's meant to be the beginning of the celebration, meant to be the beginning of the excitement. That's what Jesus does when he comes to us. Now, here's the thing. I'd like to give you a really deep theological meaning about that. And maybe, just maybe, there is a really deep theological meaning as to why did Jesus turn the water into wine? Why did he use clay pots? Why were servants pulling it out with... Maybe there's a deep theological reason. Or maybe the reason is just as simple as God wanted us to know that he's into celebrations. Maybe it's as simple as the fact that God wants to know when I get involved in something, that's when it really starts. That's when it really begins to get real. That's when the party begins. That's when the celebration begins. That's when life happens, when I get involved in anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Bring me into it and I'll breathe life into it. I'll bring life into it and I'll turn it into a celebration. Maybe that's why the story's there. Maybe not. Go home, read some theological classics and I'm sure there's a deeper meaning and a prophetic thing there, but I'm a simple person and I look at that and go, Jesus, that's cool. You kept the party going. Excellent. Good stuff. Um, A guy called Richard Foster wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline some years back. (laughs) It sounds like I'm really organised, doesn't it, considering all this just ran through my head in the last 24 hours, but I've just been plucking things and and I have chucked a few things down here. So uh, so anyway, hopefully by the end of it you can go, oh, it looks like he's actually put the shoelaces in and it, it made sense. Not he's tied five shoes together. But anyway, here's where we're heading. In his book, The Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster said this. He said, Celebration is at the heart of the way of Christ. He entered the world on a high note of jubilation. I bring you good news of a great joy, cried the angel, which shall come to all the people. He left the world bequeathing his joy to the disciples. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Sounds to me like Jesus began with joy, ended with joy, and in the middle there was joy. Yeah? Sounds like a whole lot of joy. Start joy, end joy, middle joy, all joy. I like it. He goes on and he says this, the carefree spirit of joyous festivity is absent in contemporary society. Apathy, even melancholy, dominates the times. Harvey Cox says that modern man has been pressed so hard toward useful work and rational calculation, he has all but forgotten the joy of ecstatic celebration. All but forgotten the joy of ecstatic celebration. 
Man is pushed so hard toward useful work and rational calculations that ecstatic joy is almost non-existent anymore. Why do you think that people are getting off their chops? That's four times I've stolen your phrase. I'm on a roll here. Why do you think people are doing that? You say, I can go, I can get out on a dance floor. All I need is music. I just need the mid-music. And I will, I, will, I will Saturday night fever all day. I will swing the jacket. I will John Travolta. I will moonwalk like Michael. I will just, uh, I'm not saying any of it looks good, but I'll do it all. I don't care. I just need, all I need is the right environment. My wife will tell you that. Over the years of our marriage, people have come up to her and said, is he drunk? And she'll go, no, no, he's just listening to music. Surely you've got to be. The insinuation is to enjoy yourself in any environment, you need something to take you out of yourself. Why do you think people are off their chops? Five. Because it's, they realise that until I can get myself out of myself, I really can't have a good time. I really can't enjoy myself just as I am being me. That's sad. Because Jesus wants to come into our world and, and help us to be joyous within who we are, because of who we are, in spite of who we are, whatever. We don't need anything else but the presence of God in our life. God wants us to celebrate our life that way without the need for all these other things. I think that anyway. We all know the joy of ecstatic celebration. Let me throw a few uh, scenarios at you. And I don't believe, by the way, that it's limited to a certain personality type. You know, some people go, no, no, I'm just really like this and I don't get... You do. There are things that get you excited. There are things that get you uh, out of yourself, that get you into a place of jubilation, and there are things that you celebrate. Okay? Let me throw some things at you. What about when your team won a major sporting event? Obviously, except any shark supporters in the room, your team's never won nothing. But apart from shark supporters, everybody here has supported a team in any sport or coder, and they won. Remember the moment, the feeling when they, they crossed the finish line, or, or you maybe you've watched the Olympic Games and Kathy Freeman's running there, and you started out just sitting down, but by the end of it, you're jumping around your left. Go, Kathy! Go! Go! Yeah! And we're excited and we celebrate this woman that ran 400 metres really fast. Yeah? Or your, your rugby league team, you say you're a West Tigers supporter in 2005 and we were 151 odds to win the competition. Round 13 came halfway through, we were 100 to 1 odds to win the competition. We came out of nowhere and we won it. And I've got the highlight season DVD at home. If anyone wants to come around, we'll watch it. I watch it once a week since 05 because we've done nothing since then. But it's irrelevant. We had 05, that was our moment. And I celebrated like nothing. I celebrated like nothing. What about when that symphony, you're listening to that music, and when that symphony reached that really big crescendo, and you stood up to your feet right at the end, and everything's going, and you're like, ah! And you applauded, and you got excited, and you got caught up in the moment, and you celebrated that great musical high note or whatever it was. What about when your child, your niece, your nephew, your grandbaby, whatever, what about when they actually caught the ball for the first time? And you're throwing it and they're like, eh, 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 eh. And then one day they caught it and you went off your nut. You were so excited. They caught a ball. They caught a ball. But to you it was like, yeah, we won the Olympics. They caught a ball. Keep it in perspective, people. You know what? I think God wanted you to celebrate. God wanted you to celebrate that moment and get excited. 
Or when your plant finally begins to push up its first roots. Simple things. I'm a brown farmer, I get excited about that. What about when you tried on that dress and it fits so perfectly? And your husband or none of your friends and you ran out in the street just to get somebody to look at Hey, look at this, and I look good in this. Look at this, huh? Look at me. Hey? Don't pretend you haven't done it. Please. You have all done it. You know what? It's a beautiful place that we live in and there are so many moments in life that we can celebrate. One thing that I've never forgotten, was it was a life-changing moment for me, my son, Jordan, who just left with my wife. When Jordan was about three years of age, he got a really, really bad case of diarrhoea. It was terrible. It was like you just... uh, Anyone got a tap at home and the washer doesn't work and you just can't turn it off? And 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 you've, you've gone as tight as you can, but it's just still dripping. It was like that. It was like the washer was gone and I couldn't turn him off. It just kept on going. Okay? And he's just gradually losing himself. His life's dissipating. And But you know what? I walked past him in one morning. He's gone up. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning or something. After he's just about... He's just a piece of baggy skin on bones. He's just gone. And I walk past the toilet and I hear this noise. And I go up to the toilet and I put me in near the door. And here's my son, Jordan, sitting on the toilet. And he's sitting there and he's going... I can sing a rainbow, sing a rainbow, sing a rainbow too. I thought, there's enough water there to make a rainbow. But, but he was sitting there in the middle of such a terrible moment in his life, but he was able to celebrate something and find joy in the midst of what I'm sure was an extremely painful moment in his life. I've never forgot that. I thought, Jordan... Watching what you went through, if you can sit on a toilet singing, I can see a rainbow going through that, I can celebrate just about anything. I can find meaning and purpose and joy in just about anything. Just about anything. There's always something to celebrate. I'll finish up here. So what do we have to celebrate? I'll just throw some thoughts at you. This week, I want to challenge you this week, I want you to celebrate something. How many of you have got that fine china, that, that tea set or the plates that you, you've got in the cupboard and we got it and we go, no, we'll put that away for a special occasion. Who's got that stuff? Anyone got that stuff for a special occasion? And it sits in the cupboard for 25 years and it's never been used. Are you telling me there hasn't been a special enough occasion to get a piece of china out? Slap a steak on it? You got this great stuff packed away and you're waiting for a special occasion? Let me tell you something. Special occasions are happening every day and every moment of your life. We've just got to learn to see them. Embrace them. Bring God into them. And get some joy out of them. Okay? This week, I want you to, to consciously celebrate something. I want you to consciously celebrate something. It might be Pat gets it right when he puts his shirt on in the morning. I want you to celebrate. Okay? You celebrate. I got up this morning, I got the socks right, I got the left one on and it was the left sock and I went, yes, did it. Usually I put the right one on and it's wrong, I've got to switch them over. But here's what I want you to do, celebrate something. I'm going to throw a couple of thoughts at you, we'll finish up. We can celebrate where we've been. Let me tell you something, I was once lost but now I'm found. That fact remains 24-7, I can celebrate that any time I want. If you know Jesus in this place today, you were once lost, you were alienated and far from God. But through the cross, you now have a relationship with God. You can celebrate that any moment you like. Because we live in it, we lose the joy of it. 
Because we live in it, it just becomes normal, routine. Bring Jesus back into that. Bring him back into your salvation experience. Remember what it was like when you first met him. Remember what it was like when you first encountered Jesus and the joy that came with that. Celebrate where you've been. We can celebrate where we're going. Where's your life heading? What are you, what are you trying to achieve? You, you want to be a, you, you, your goal is to be the best soccer player in the world. Celebrate it. Your goal is to, to, you know, my wife's going to finish university in about 10 weeks. She'll graduate. She can't throw a hat in the air, though, because it's an OH&S problem now. You can't throw hats in the air. It might poke people in the eye. But we'll find some other way to celebrate without a hat. We'll do it because it's a great achievement. We'll find a reason and a way to celebrate. Where are you going? What about what God has done? What about the victories, the things in your life that God has already done, the things you've already overcome? Maybe the friendships you, that God has brought you together that you know. And if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't know you guys. I wouldn't have a relationship with you guys. If it wasn't for the cross, we'd have nothing else in common. We'd probably never meet. That's a cel- let's celebrate that sometime. Let's, let's have that celebratory attitude about our life. What about what God is doing right now? What's he doing in your world? He's doing something. If you don't know what it is, you're not asking or you're not looking or you're not listening, but he's doing something in your life. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, stand behind me. Just come stand behind me because I'm standing still doing nothing. Just stand there. I can see you too in the mirror if you're not. You know, he said, no, follow me. I'm going somewhere. I'm taking you somewhere. Let's go. We run along behind Jesus coming with me. Let's be excited about that. What about who God is? Can we get excited about who God is? The saviour of the world, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the healer of my broken heart, the healer of my body, the one who gives me purpose, the one who gives me meaning. I think we can find reasons to bring celebration back into the church, to bring celebration back into your life. But I believe we've got to be intentional about it. And, and in closing, while I was thinking, grappling overnight and over the weekend, I had so much great sorrow in my heart. I, I just couldn't deal with it. I couldn't process. And I'm going, God, what's, what was the difference? I'm, I'm looking at two things that have the same potential. And the difference was that one of them brought God smack bang right there into the middle of it. And as a result of that, it brought glory and celebration to God and through God's people. That's the church. That's what God wants. That's what I believe we need to to be. And that's what the world's looking for. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together. I want to pray this morning for us before we go. Hopefully that was one shoe. You don't go home and before you heard four different messages. Maybe you did because God speaks like that too. I'm happy with that. Anyway, Father, we want to thank you this morning, God. We, We thank you for who you are that you are the lover of our soul, God, that you are the King of kings, Lord of lords. Father, we thank you for the amazing things that you did uh, on the cross 2,000 years ago, that you died, were buried and resurrected, Father, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, God. We thank you, Father, that while we were useless, while we had no value, you ascribed the highest possible value to us by dying on a cross. You gave the most costly thing for what seemed to be the most insignificant on Calvary, Father. We thank you for that, Lord. God, I pray for each person here that we would understand that more and more. Give us a greater revelation of that. Father, if there's anybody here in this room this morning who has not uh, met you, God, anyone in this room that does not know you the way we're talking about you, anyone that, that, that looks and can't say that, that, that I know the abundant life that Jesus came to give me, if there's anybody here that doesn't know that, Father, I pray you'd speak to them. I pray you'd open up their eyes. I pray you'd pull on their heart and you'd draw them to yourself, God. And Father, I just pray as we go into the rest of this week, Father, give us eyes to see 
the celebratory moments, God. Give us eyes to see those things where we can bring you in and change the entire complexion of that situation, that circumstance, that particular thing. We can bring great joy and celebration by simply bringing you into the midst of those moments, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 God bless. Uh, Hang around and grab some tea, peppermint tea, healthy stuff. Or if you're not healthy, just grab a coffee with heaps of sugars in it. Be warned, though, we encourage health.